Great, welcome on stage. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. Can you hear me okay? Hey, Jamie. Yeah. Hey, Lawrence, how are you, bud? I'm uh, very good, very good. Thank you. This is exciting. It's like it's the very first family expert talk, and we're gonna have a series of uh, weekly expert talks with a lot of yeah experts. Yeah, Privileged to be the first in your wonderful, wonderful series. Thank you for having me. All right, guys, we're gonna kick this off. Um, this family expert talk is the first one. We're gonna record this for people that weren't able to attend um, and share it across our socials and also on our website. This one, we're gonna talk specifically about exponential growth and the scalability issues in the play to earn games. For this, we have here Jamie, he's CEO at Vulcan Forge. Um, I'll let Jamie introduce Vulcan Forge, but to give like basic idea, Vulcan Forge is a blockchain game studio. We have over eight games, um, including the fantasy metaverse Vulcanverse. And a few weeks ago, we did a giveaway uh, of their Berserk Vulcanites. Uh, NFT collectible cards. So uh, many of you maybe remember this uh, from that. But Jamie, can you introduce the project and, and your vision? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you did a pretty good job, to be honest there, um, Jan. Um, yeah, so we are a game studio. Um, game studio first, sort of crypto second. Um, there's, uh, as I said before, there are about 43 of us across the globe, 12, uh, 12 13 of us in-house here in Greece. Um, we are very much sort of pushing the, the blockchain game uh, boundaries, um, especially with Vulcanverse, which uh, if anyone's seen sort of any sort of uh, footage or gameplay of it, you can sort of see that we're, we're sort of moving into um, sort of the more popular MMO game territory in terms of graphics and gameplay. Um, but yeah, we sort of got a variety of products, um, different games, Berserk, as you said, which is like a Hearthstone, sort of God's Unchained kind of game, Forge Arena, an auto battler, we've got a, a digital art minting engine, we've got a DEX coming out soon, which is uh, supporting gaming tokens only. So yeah, I'd say blockchain gaming and anything underneath it is, is how we can define Vulcan Forged. Great, great to know. And like, what is your long-term vision with Vulcan Forge, will you keep adding more games? Will you develop the games? Will you be an open metaverse for other developers to create games within Vulcan Forge? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, right now uh, we've got 12 games in development. Um, some of them are fully launched. Uh, most of them are in beta or alpha stage. So we've decided to spend the rest of the year making sure all these games are totally functional and, and the user acquisition sort of matches our development speed because we do work fast as we're a very sort of strong and and uh, large team but what we don't want to do is have the development run away with us and we're sort of creating you know a hundred different things with, with with five users so um we're sort of spending the next few months uh allowing the user user base to catch up with what we've made but after that absolutely um we're going to constantly make game after game and um vulcanverse itself is just such an enormous Project, you know, when you sort of combine Minecraft with World of Warcraft with Sandbox, and you know, its, it's own in-game economy, the, the the potential is just is limitless there. So that's always going to be an ongoing, improving uh, project. Um, uh, we, we 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 do work with other games. I mean, uh, we have an NFT engine that other other games can use to sort of mint their own NFTs and use within it, but I'd say we're, we're, we're steering more towards just our own collection of games now, really. So 
Um, in short, yeah, the answer is more, more and more games, but making sure we sort of, you know, have the users needed for what what we've made already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Great. Um, yeah, let's talk about play to earn. I think everyone here is uh, familiar with with the term play to earn. Um, now, yeah, there has been very much ink spilled about play to earn, both in traditional and blockchain media. Um, it's gotten to a point where certain parts of the world are now making a full-time income out of playing games that earn tokens or other types of NFTs. With esports, for instance, yeah, competitive gaming has provided income to um, to the best players uh, of those esports games. However, right now, just playing can also provide you a living, like we saw with Axie Infinity in the Philippines, for instance. Um, how do you see that movement uh, evolve in the future? So about play to earn. Um, yeah, it's a hard question because it's easy to say, oh, it's going to be the next big thing, but um, it's so new and it, it, the thing that gets us and um, I think, you know, a lot of people have to sort of consider is if is why someone's playing the game. Um, you know, there are, there are two industries here. We've got the gaming industry and you've got the crypto industry. Now, Axie Infinity did very well in, in this respect because, you know, the game itself it didn't have to be very complex. It didn't have to have, you know, incredible graphics. It was very much sort of, you know, click, battle, earn, earn, earn. So you've got to ask yourself, what was the driving factor behind that? I mean, it certainly wasn't the entertainment of of playing the game because, you know, these users could have found any other game being released. It was the fact they could earn earn money, um, just like you can in other sort of um, sort of places in crypto, like a, like a DEX or staking. But I think the reason it was successful was because it was a lot more visual and um, there was a sort of, I don't know, a background of, of, of fantasy and gaming and some of these anime graphics, which allow people to sort of earn, but in a, in a much more fun way. So the question comes back now is, will adding more exciting gameplay and much more absorbing gameplay increase that play to earn model? And of course, that's where we're coming from. Um, we, we are sort of now... But what our aim is and our goal is and what we're doing now is is combining the enjoyment of gaming um, with play to earn. So what that does, it doesn't just attract those who just want to sort of click and make a quick buck. It attracts the enormous sort of gaming market where people can actually play a game they enjoy and then find out they can earn from it as well. So um, I think combining, uh, you know, fun gaming and, and higher quality games with play to earn is going to be the next step in this. Um, and yeah, that's where we are. So we'll see where we are in about a year year from now. Yeah, exactly. And and your personal opinion, who do you think is best place to create those good games? Are those people with a good blockchain background, or more people with a, or developers with a good gaming background that 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 tap into blockchain now? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I mean, it's very it's very easy to say games because they obviously have the, they have the best studios and the best gaming, but unfortunately, to sort of sort of tap that play to earn market and really sort of reach out to the the, the, the blockchain guys you've got you've got to have your, your your feet in feet in the blockchain industry for, for, for a long enough time you've got to know sort of where to advertise and where not to and and, and so back, back to my previous point about sort of you know trying to bridge uh, bridge two things together and straddling sort of straddling across two two banks i mean i think that's where the major difficulty is going to be in i mean are you targeting crypto people in which case, you know, are they just there to make money? Again, then why bother with good graphics and good gameplay 
or are you targeting the gaming people? In which case, do they even care about you know um, earning money? In which case, just make an incredible game. Um, I did a talk on this recently about why I think blockchain gaming is just beginning, and and I don't think anyone has really bridged those two industries um, correctly yet. And I think we're going to see a lot of that happening. So my answer to that is both. I, I think you do you need to sort of be aware of both industries if you're going to try and combine them. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think that's what we were seeing right now as well with uh, big gaming studios hiring people that are familiar with blockchain, like Atari, Ubisoft, uh, really tapping into blockchain and hiring people that have more more skills and, and to be able to be ready for that next phase of, of gaming and play to earn. Yeah, I, I think so. But I also think, um, I think we've got to be careful with that, with that narrative. But I, th I think the, um, the studios like Ubisoft and Atari, you have to realize that they make, you know, 500 times more profit on selling, mm -hmm. um, you know, normal games, console games. I mean, you know, you're talking about $200 billion industry uh, in the gaming industry compared to, to, I think it's 500 million in the crypto gaming industry. So I think Ubisoft, Atari, and all these bigger companies, what they're doing is they're sort of poking at the, uh, poking at the edges and seeing it, you know, how can they sort of, you know, I don't know, take a piece of the pie without completely going over to that, that, that side. Because you have to remember a lot of mainstream gamers don't, don't know crypto, don't like crypto, don't have the need to even want to sort of play to earn. They're just happy playing their game and leveling up. So it, it's sort of building from the base with these people and getting, get, getting to the promised land without sort of, you know, losing your main audience. So we'll see. I think that's probably why the game studios aren't making this whole leap to the pay to earn model yet. It's because they simply don't need to based on their, on their finances. Yeah, makes sense. If I, if I can jump in maybe shortly, sure, um, sure. like to share my view on it. Uh, I think currently the most well let's say the most adopted or most popular play to earn games like uh, let's say splinterlands and axie infinity if we look at their user base i think they are more catering uh, not necessarily to real gamers but maybe more to let's say bounty hunters maybe um, mm. because if you look at um, previous years you had a lot of bounty hunting platforms pop up everywhere and people are basically doing tasks to to market projects uh, it being either join an ama or like tweet or like or do something else in return for like a, a small reward while um, joining the the play to earn movement has now become maybe the new bounty hunting because if you look at uh, yes. regions where these play to earn games are very popular then uh, there's some big similarities with that type of um, uh, with at least the origin of, of those peoples like uh, let's say philippines vietnam um, so yeah that that's what i think Indeed. yeah interesting i think yeah completely correct um and if you talk about play to earn um because lawrence you raise a good point about the amount of income that those players can make compared to the income that, that would be for somebody in the US, let's say, a tier one country. Um, how do you see, Jamie, how do you see that future of keeping the current level of income for players sustainable in the future with a growing user base in mind? 
I think that will always be, I mean, as long as there's a, a way for people from developing countries to sort of make money online, I think that, 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 will, always be, that will always be sustainable. Uh, the question is, where do you want to move it to? Um, you know, it, at the end of the day, as, as, as Lauren says, um, these, these guys are, are bounty hunters. I mean, and if they're making money by doing, you know, the most tedious, most boring thing in the world, but they're still making money, then it makes no difference how good the game is. Um, I'm not saying that Axie is boring and all that, but I think that's an example of, of where, you know, the enjoyment of the game isn't so important. So I think in terms of um, sustainability from, from that uh, consumer uh, market, you know, those from developing countries that want to sort of click and earn a few dollars here and there, that will never sort of, um, that will never die out as long as it's around. I mean, that's just a, a way to make money. But if you really want to sort of get out of just that and target the enormous waiting industry that has not even started, you know, the gaming market and move into blockchain, then you're going to have to up the level of gameplay. You're going to have to make it beyond the simple, tedious click of, of, of bounty hunting. Include them, of course, because they're a major, they're a major asset in, 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 your, in your user base, but also branch out to those that go, well, hang on, I enjoy this game. You know, I, I, I want to play it. The fact that I earned from it is more of a bonus as opposed to the purpose. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, often compare it like blockchain gaming now is it's like what gaming was in the in the sixties maybe with uh, like the early Mario uh, games. We see the similar things, but we need to if if you want to attract that whole gaming industry or gaming community, then we're gonna see yeah better games popping uh, on the market. Maybe a, a technical question about uh, the blockchains that uh, you use. So Vulcan Forged makes uh, use of three different blockchains, if I understood it correctly, like VeChain, Polygon, and Ethereum. Could you explain why these three and why you chose to support multiple blockchains rather than, than only one singular blockchain? Well, that was just where we were when we started. I mean, we got into the NFT game years ago. Um, and so we just, we just made our, our, our NFT contract happen to be on VeChain. Um, if we could go back in time, we, we certainly wouldn't have made that decision knowing knowing the the user base and the technical requirement uh, technical abilities of other blockchains it's just it's just where we were um we most likely won't be staying there at all because there are uh superior blockchains to the chain and there, there are blockchains which have far better outreach in terms of dApps and games and and such likes our token peer is is on polygon but that's simply for the gas fees. I mean, it, it was minted on, an, uh, on the Ethereum layer, um, mm -hmm. you know, like most tokens. But we, we port it to the Polygon layer simply to sort of avoid gas fees. And that's um, what we use within um, the game. So, I mean, but, you know, we're in the, we're in the day and age now. It's 2021. I, I think we're kind of, in 2018, it was very much, oh, just use my blockchain, you know, tri tribal this, tribal that, you know. And it was very closed-minded in terms of, cross-chain and sort of uh, custodial wallets and, um, uh, you know, all, all, all these kind of things. But we've got beyond that now, I think. And I think gaming has really helped us make that make that move beyond because people don't really care which blockchain you're going to be owning an NFT as long as it's a blockchain and it's technically yours. And, you know, this isn't the time of just buying a coin and holding it and hoping and supporting your favorite team, especially not in gaming. Um, because people are in the game because they, they like the game and they love the concept of an NFT and they love they love owning it. So um, so yeah, uh, that's the reason we, we, 
it sounds like we're on all over the place on a million chains, but um, that won't be for too much longer. Well, I mean, Peer will always stay on Ethereum and, and um, Polygon, but not too sure about VeChain. Okay. Okay. Interesting to know. And you were talking about um, wallets. Um, that brings me to the question that, okay, Vulcan Forge differs from other large studios like Sandbox. Uh, in a sense that you don't offer support for MetaMask, but rather choose for an internal wallet solution. Can you explain like the reasoning behind this setup? Because I can imagine that MetaMask brings a lot of um, crypto people over to the game. Uh, why did you choose for for an internal wallet solution? Um, well, it's simply for user acquisition. I mean, you, you say MetaMask brings a lot of crypto people in, but then we don't use MetaMask, and I'd say I'd say still 90% of our community are from crypto, and they were happily moving over to um, a uh, what's the word? A sort of um, well, this wonderful company called Venly, which offers this uh, <laughs> <laughs> and this solution to have like a sort of semi uh, I don't know how to how to put them, put the name of semi custodial wallets, whatever it is, where. Mm -hmm. where you can log in from from anywhere uh, and uh, honestly i mean with gaming you have got if you really want to break the gaming market there's no way in hell you're gonna get people that uh, can understand metamask and, and all these private keys all, all that kind of stuff onboarding um so that's why we obviously chose that route because um a lot of our games are on mobile um vulcanverse is a downloadable game on the pc it's not in the browser and of course you know that just gives us so much more power and space um, in terms of performance and graphics. And we can actually focus on the games as opposed to thinking, how can we fit this enormous metaverse into a Firefox browser with MetaMask and, and this whole 100% decentralized thing going on? Um, as long as your keys are safe, your NFTs are owned. And um, uh, I think user onboarding is the, is the main protocol. Um, we found Berserk has really taken off on the App Store lately. And we um, on the iPhone um, Apple App Store. And that wouldn't have been, you know, we wouldn't be able to do that without um, Arcane and Venly. And I'm not just saying this to show you guys. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there are other wallet providers, but but your wallet infrastructure is, is what helps um, user onboarding. I think it's just a must for any game. Um, sort of get beyond this whole, you know, decentralized maxi idea where everything must be done through through a wallet. I mean, I do get it for Dexes and such likes, um, and we do have a Dex coming out where we are using. Um, MetaMask, but having one login for all the games and just being able to use your NFTs across every game without, you know, um, having to sign absolutely everything is um, it's a godsend, really. Great, great to hear that from um, from someone that is using the many products. Um, I assume that in, in in the public that we have um, many game developers um, or indie game developers. Um, so let's talk a bit more about blockchain and the, the variety of blockchains and the scalability of that. Um, so if you come back to blockchain networks, what blockchains have the most traction in terms of blockchain game adoption um, at the moment? Are there any pain points here? Um, what, what do you see in the market with, uh, with, with fellow game development studios around you? Well, I mean, Ethereum obviously is, is, is hands down the biggest sort of DAP uh, blockchain. Um, and I think that was obviously because of their first mover advantage in the world, um, starting as far back as CryptoPunks and CryptoKitties, and they haven't really let off then. And of course, you've got OpenSea, which is the enormous marketplace supports Ethereum, um, that they got an, a, a, a massive foot in the door on the dApps and gaming networks. Now, 
with everything, you know, even like with search browsers or any sort of product that evolves, I don't think it will be the DAP king for, for much longer. I mean, people are going to want to sort of not pay $300 for gas fees. And um, of course, Polygon is making some big moves um, in the DAP space. Um, they've got thousands of games on, well, not thousands, maybe hundreds of games on Polygon. Um, Tezos is another one, which I know is um, making some big moves behind the scenes now. And um, uh, they're creating some big partnerships. But I mean, as I said, I mean, the, the end user, and especially in gaming, as long as they, you know, they own their NFTs, they know it's a secure, trusted blockchain, um, and they're not paying, you know, a, a handful for transactions. I doubt they really care. I mean, the only people that really, really care about which blockchain you use are those who sort of hold the token and want to see it, you know, pump on Binance. But um, if it's legitimate um, proof of stake or you know, proof of work blockchain that's been tested, tried and tested. And it, it doesn't make a difference. But yeah, I'd say Ethereum, Polygon and Tezos are the bigger. Oh, and BSE, of course, are the top four at the moment for the NFT space. Okay, interesting. Yeah, well said. Um, and, and do you think like when I look at Polygon and, and BSC and, and Tezos, are they, because they obviously they, they are doing business development, so they want the maximum of games building on top of their networks. Do you see them con continue the battling with grants, or how do you are are they gonna um, are they gonna convince developers to build by other means, or do you think it's gonna be like in the next couple of months it's still gonna be like Biden Smart Chain having grants, Avalanche having grants, uh, Polygon Studios having grants for uh, games to build upon their blockchain? Yeah, that's a difficult one, isn't it? Because it's still, blockchain has got this such a competitive streak to them all, and they all want everyone to use their own blockchain. I mean, it's not really like um, a Windows versus Mac debate, um, where you, you know, you sort of, you've got these two yeah. rivals, you've got, you know, 20 to 30 blockchains going for it. So, so I don't know, I, I'd like to say it's up to the developer to choose, but the trouble is it's such a new space that the developers are coming in and they're saying, right, where do we start? And they sort of bite the first, bit of bait that's thrown to them. Um, and of course, every new game developer on the blockchain wants want some financial incentive. So, you know, if Polygon offer this or BSC offer that, they'll most likely go where the money is. Um, but from the blockchain's point of view, I don't, I don't blame them. They, they want users and they've got the funds because, you know, crypto is an enormously financial, um, uh, you know, gold mine for these, for these blockchains. So they've got the money to entice users. So I don't see that changing anytime soon, um, nor do I see there'll be one blockchain to rule them all. So, um, yeah, uh, it's funny, isn't it? Because, you, you know, you wouldn't get Apple or Microsoft offering users money to sort of download mm -hmm. their computer. You would, you would let them choose what they think is the best one, but no one really knows what the best one is. I mean, you know, even like most crypto investors don't really know the tech, techs, tech behind the blockchain they're investing in. So everyone's sort of going in blind and sort of, you know, taking whatever cash is thrown at them. Um, so I don't know how that will um, pan out. It'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, we, yeah, we'll see on that one. Yeah, and like you said in the beginning, we don't need to think in as in silos and blockchains. You need to choose for one blockchain and stick to one blockchain. Like like Vulcan Forge, you can build on top of different blockchains, and and some stuff is going to be interoperable, or you can use one blockchain for transactions, another blockchain for storing assets. Um, so yeah, it can be different blockchains as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. No, no. Lawrence, just maybe, okay, go on, go on. Sorry. I'm sorry, and Lawrence, so, did you want to add something? Yeah, so I was wondering, like, since you've um, 
specifically have been looking at VeChain, Polygon, Ethereum, etc. Have there been um, any blockchains that kind of sprung out from the masses uh, with, uh, let's say, um, like Jan said, there, there's the grants, etc. But I'm thinking more in terms of um, like technical development help or uh, maybe business development help, stuff like that. So aside from the cash, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, Polygon, hands down, I mean, the support they offered um, from the beginning was literally, they set up a group with us and they've been there every single day, whether we had a questions. Um, even Sandeep was in the group. Um, so, uh, and I think that was the reason so many dApps moved to Polygon is because they, they set up a dedicated support team for every new dApp. Um, whether or not they've overextended themselves a little bit too much now by onboarding every single DAP they could do, and maybe that that support sort of um, strength has run out of it, I don't know. But it seemed to it seemed to have moved the market for them quite well at the beginning of the year. Um, there are some blockchains that offer you know incredibly big grants to kind of um, take you on. In fact, in fact, we've got a few blockchains vying for for our NFTs at the moment but for us it's not so much the financial sort of rewards it's it's the connections they have and such likes that that, that would really sort of push us to moving blockchains I'm talking about our NFTs of course but I mean technically the, the fact is an NFT is an NFT I mean the standards are the same across all blockchains um, you know they might be called differently but they're still ERC 1155s or 721s they still have the same sort of tech specs so I think it really comes down to sort of just pushing aside um, the, the tribalism of it all and moving on. Um, in terms of VeChain, I suppose, I mean, they probably offer the least support out of all of them. Um, but I don't really think it's a, a DAP or gaming uh, um, friendly blockchain. Um, so, uh, you know, of course, I, if I could go back and do things differently, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be there. But yeah. Um, yeah, it all depends. I mean, but yeah, Polygon have been the most supportive. Um, a couple of other chains have been the most generous in terms of what they are offering, but we don't know what kind of support they would they would give. But yeah, uh, technically, I don't have the blockchain know-how to tell you this NFT is more secure than another NFT. I mean, an NFT mm -hmm. is an NFT, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And code is law. Um, so... What's interesting, what you were saying, like if you would go back in time and then choose maybe for one blockchain, which one would that be? And could you also like put names on, on other blockchains that were more generous in uh, in cash for for the audience, maybe people that are building games? Um, yeah, I, I probably would. I won't go too detailed into the grants and who's offering them because you know I don't know if that's uh, that should be released. But I mean, yeah, we would have gone with Polygon straight away back in the day. Um, but, but don't forget, it was Matic back then. And um, mm -hmm. I remember Matic was on the Binance Launchpad. And um, I think at the time, one kind of felt that every project coming on the Launchpad was just some sort of pump and dump sort of scheme. And you didn't really know anything about them. Um, so no one could have known then that Matic was going to turn into such a beast as it was. I mean, this whole layer two idea, which is like, no, no, we must use Ethereum. No one's going to want to sort of move. But, you know, you're getting more and more of these blockchains cropping up. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, uh, you, you don't regret doing things. You, you sort of go through the the crap first to kind of realize how to strengthen yourself up for the next chapter. Um, I, I don't know enough about the other blockchains, I'm afraid, to say if they're worth going. I mean, BSC, um, BSC and Tezos are being very um, generous with grants, I have to say. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know what they've been like with other teams in terms of support and 
and and connections so i can't really comment on that are they reaching out themselves or um yeah they are they are they are i mean they're i think yeah there are some blockchains that, that are really pushing for like the, the bigger projects right now to kind of poach them if you will from their native the chains they're on now um which is which is strange because on one side you think well it shouldn't really be the the, the you know the, the the wealthiest blockchain that gets all the dabs should be those that support them but then they are making a conscious effort to kind of bring bring dabs to them um, but as I said per, for us uh, subjectively we will we'll, we'll take the blockchain that offers the most connections and support I mean you need the support I mean it's madness to sort of build games and NFTs and and, and products on a blockchain and, and not having recognition or support and and backing by them I mean it, it's mind-boggling. So I think Polygon have been the first to set the standard in that, in terms of really sort of marketing their their clients. Well, and and like talking about a steep learning curve for game development studios to start building um, games on the blockchain. You think that's gonna get easier um, in the future, or only get more complicated because because you're gonna have more options and and more things to to think of. No, I don't think technically it'll get more difficult. I think it, it's only got easier. I mean, even the last year or two has become far easier to sort of onboard users to blockchain and sort of um, uh, cut on the complexity. I think the hard part is going to be the choices developers are going to make um, because, you know, what looks too good to be true, like a carrot dangling there, usually is. You know, I mean, you've, you've got to think about your audience. I mean, in theory, if we wanted a bigger user base, we, we should, have gone, should have gone to Ethereum years ago. Um, even now, uh, if we went to Ethereum today, we'd have access to like, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of users. But we know it's not sustainable. Um, and, and we do believe that these gas fees and, and the network congestion would eventually would eventually sort of um, uh, destroy itself. So that, that's a choice you have to make with a long term vision. Um, but no, I mean, te technically, technically, I don't think it's going to be any harder to develop blockchain games. It's only going to get easier, especially when you have, you know, wallets where you can sort of log in from any device and from a game and a mobile and then the only thing you really need there is just sort of fetching and interacting with the nft within the game then it's it's, it's nearly identical to a, a centralized game but using decentralized assets because you're just simply instead of calling an item from a database you're calling an item from the blockchain and once you've got that item in game you can use it as you would with any object so yeah i think we're going to see an enormous surge in blockchain gaming over the next few years Okay, great to hear. Um, I'm going to ask one last question, or maybe two, um, before we let people in the public also ask you and uh, bombard you with questions. And so my last one would be um, that many doubt about metaverses to be the successor of today's internet. Um, there's definitely a lot of buzz surrounding this concept, and specifically when it involves NFTs. Um, how, like for Vulcanforged, um, you also have your metaverse that, that, that is the Vulcanverse. How, or can you tell us a bit more about, about it and how you see this concept of metaverses evolve in the future? Not, maybe not only the, the Vulcanverse, but metaverses in, in general. How do you see them evolve in the future? Um, yeah, well, I, I think, uh, well, I mean, I had this question on, on another interview recently. It, it, it's hard because I had to look up you know, actually where the, the origin of the word metaverse came from. And, um, you know, I didn't realize that it was actually meta. It, it was actually coined from some science, science fiction book in the, in the 90s. I haven't read it. 
I pretended I read it on the interview course, but um, it was on Wikipedia. I think meta just means futuristic. So metaverse doesn't actually mean blockchain universe. It just means a sort of virtual world, not even virtual. It's a world set in the future using technology we don't have yet. Um, like a, a hologram world would be a metaverse. So, but the, of course, the blockchain virtual worlds have sort of coined this term to be metaverse. So, the the the, the, um, the unique characteristic of metaverses in terms of the blockchain virtual world is that you have now taken you're, you're putting an economy in there and ownership, and you're not just taking the whole sort of like I'm walking around with my avatar and and playing a game. You're taking that, but you're actually adding elements which can affect people in the real world. How they earn, um, you know, what, what they own. Um, they can trade it, they can sell it, they can buy it, and and their activities within the, in in this metaverse is translating to their their way of life in the real world, and that's a, that's a serious thing. I mean, in fact, some could say it, it's a little bit worrying. Um, you know, once you start combining your your real life worth and your, your own standard in the real world with the game, which um, you know, it's um, it could be dangerous because um, now you're you're literally you're giving people the chance to either change their life in the real world for the better or for the worse, so they don't perform as well as they wanted to. I mean, it's an investment in ways. But on the on the on the other side, on a philosophical side, it's actually very beautiful because you are now you know combining the real world in this fantasy scape where people can not only have this sort of separate world but also um, achieve things, you know, for, you know, things they wouldn't, wouldn't even dream of doing in, in the real world, sort of make money or, or, or build things which they can sell and, uh, and all this kind of thing. So I, I think there are a lot of philosophical and sort of socioeconomic questions still to be answered about um, virtual worlds and metaverses on blockchain. Because, you know, Second Life, you know, okay, it was a cool detachment from reality, um, but that's about it. But the minute you add real um, economies into it and sort of real sort of social hierarchies within it, um, mm -hmm. it becomes very serious. And um, I, uh, yeah, we'll see. I can see a lot of people probably who are against the idea of, 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 um, of that kind of metaverse. But obviously we're not because we're making one. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And I think it's something that you can't stop. It's like a lot of people being against cryptocurrencies or digital assets. It's, yeah, it's an evolution and, and, and something that you can't stop that people are building. And it's that the whole freedom of the internet and uh, people being able to build whatever they want to build. Um, I have like a million other questions on, on metaverses, but um, if somebody in, in the public, you can raise your hands and uh, we'll get you on stage so that you can ask questions. If you're too shy to raise your hand, you can also uh, put your questions in the chatter. Um, but feel free, if you raise your hand, I will put you on stage so that you're able to ask your question to, uh, to Jamie. It has been very interesting so far. So um, I believe that, uh, yeah, we should we should get questions from uh, from the audience. Checking if people are raising their hand, but I don't see anyone raising their hands. Yeah, guys, people in the audience, you feel free to uh, to raise your hand. I will put you on stage, and in the meantime, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask an additional question to Jamie about interoperability of assets. Um, that's something I, I I see often now. A lot of metaverses are talking about interoperability, and when they're on stage, they all say yes, 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 interoperability, and we're gonna make it possible. Uh, 
for other people to build things within our metaverse, but also other people's metaverse assets to be shown in our metaverse and playable in our metaverse. Um, so a lot of words and, and visions on that, but still now no practical or nothing that I really saw in, um, in, in happening in the industry. How do you see that? What is your view on interoperability and what do you uh, think is going to happen? Um, to be honest, I think it's all noise at this stage. I mean, I think everyone's sort of trying to run before we can even walk. Um, uh, the way some sort of uh, blockchain projects and metaverse projects are talking, it's as if we've already reached, you know, the summit of a potential. I mean, there are barely any sort of metaverses or blockchain games out there which are, you know, real sort of seriously globally known, um, uh, globally known names, let alone being at the stage where we need to start, you know, combining and, and transferring and being interoperable, you're going to see a lot of buzzwords and promises from a lot of a lot of companies, I think, over the next year or two. When any, any sort of like new wave or hype comes, everyone's going to jump on it and promise the world. But when you sort of strip away all the fat and uh, cut away all the fat and look at what we have, we have a, a very tiny amount of, of successful games and metaverses out there. So, you know, <clears throat> no point looking beyond the mountain before you've even, you know, reached the base. Um, so yeah, uh, um, I don't really think it's something to be discussed or, or you know, worried about or sort of, you know, I, I don't think it's a, it's a it's a highlight of concern really yet. I mean, when it gets to the stage where you know we have a million metaverses and there's you know millions of users and they want to use this this sword over here and over there, then yeah, we could discuss it, but. Even now, the metaverses are so vastly different in their landscapes and their and how they look. I mean, we've got a Greco-Roman fantasy world. It's going to be very hard to stick an axie in there wandering around. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, when the when the space is matured enough, I think that probably will be the next question to ask: is how to sort of combine them all. But then again, you, you can't avoid the competition, the competitive nature of companies. Um, you know, do, does Facebook want to, you know, collaborate with Google and, and be interoperable? Probably not. Do their users care? Probably not. So, yeah, I'd be wary of a lot of lot of buzzwords over the next year or so. Yeah, well said. Yeah, step by step, um, learning to walk before we can run. And we we got a guest on stage, definitely uh, Peter Holder. Um, if you, yeah, please shoot your question uh, to Jamie. You're muted at the moment, but you can unmute yourself and, uh, and shoot your question. Cool, thank you. Um, I was just going to ask, um, how how are you going to simplify, um, or how do you see, because we're in discovery at the moment, so users of metaverses are more often not likely to know how um, crypto works, etc. So how do you see metaverses simplifying process for Joe Public so that we can adopt more users? Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, yeah, because, you know, I think a lot of metaverses are sort of coming from the crypto first, so people know what NFTs are. So it's not really a sort of, you know, it's not like a, a, a wow, oh my God, I own this and sell it. It's kind of sort of making those that sort of don't know nothing about NFTs and blockchain um, and ownership and economy sort of go, oh my goodness, you know, this is actually real. And I think I think that's easily done when you sort of, you know, hook someone in for the game first you know, then they see they've got a reward and then they find out, oh, hang on, this can be cashed out into the real world. And that and there will be, need to be a sort of moment of exploration there and uh, to understand, you know, what blockchain is and what NFTs are. And how, how do I sell this 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 token for money? I want it in my bank account now. 
But um, I think the key is to sort of suck them in game-wise and then keep them in play-to-earn-wise. And, and obviously that's, that's the approach we're trying to take because otherwise you're just going to be preaching to the same crypto choir who know all about MetaMask and NFTs and, and all, that, all that such. I know we've got a 74-year-old player in Vulcanverse and um, he was just happy building away this little desert oh, cool. camp. Uh, yeah, and he, you know, he just enjoyed it. He was just sitting on his plot building a desert camp, and he kept DMing me and telling me, and oh, look at my, look at my camp." And I, and I said, "Oh yeah, you know, have you, st- you know, have you sowed it? Have you staked, staked it?" And he goes, "Oh, what's that?" And I said, "Oh, you know, you've got this peer." And he goes, "Yeah, I've got those tokens." And and I told him through it, and he goes, "What? Real money?" And I said, "Yes." And sort of, you know, he couldn't believe it that the fact that he would actually, you know, it, he could actually earn real money from playing where he wanted to play. Um, but that's always going to be the barrier. It's um, and it's not just from a technical point of view because gamers, I'd say in general, are you know aren't stupid. Um, I think they can do it. It's also whether or not they want to do it. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think that's always going to be the battle um, blockchain games have. It's going to be converting the, the the gamers to the the blockchain gamers. But um, we've had a great year for it. I mean, NFTs and access to infinity have really set the stage now. Um, you know, I think that it's very rare you find someone that hasn't heard of the word NFT. I think when you've got Paris Hilton talking about NFTs, mm-hmm. then you know we've hit the mainstream there. So a lot of that work has been done for, for us, which is lucky. But yeah, tricky. Excellent. Yeah, indeed. Um, and and you were mentioning X-Infinity. What, what other favorite blockchain games do you, uh, do you have? Do you play some games to get insights from from other projects or do you play for fun or are you a gamer yourself? Uh, actually, no, I'm not a big gamer. I mean, uh, uh, obviously everyone works here, our gamers, and, and the majority of our community play more games than I do. Um, you know, I played a bit of the Decentraland and, and um, Gods Unchained and all, and I, you know, I, I played all the blockchain games, but I just I haven't got time to play. I mean, I don't even play our own games at the moment. I mean, if people, if people see me in Vulcanverse, it's like seeing a black swan. It's just not going to happen. I mean, we're just too busy running stuff. But um, but I think that's a, that's a bonus because it allows you to sort of just accept what your weaknesses are. And, um, you know, you won't have me saying, oh, do the game like this, do, do it like that. You know, we've got people dedicated to each element, whether it's gameplay mechanics or animations. And we even listen to the community. We've got some guys playing our game Berserk, which is like Hearthstone, and they've played, you know, 15, 20 years of these kind of games. And they can give us feedback to sort of send it in the right direction. Um, but no, personally, I'm not a gamer, but, um, but I think that's, uh, that's more of a strength than a weakness. It allows me to be far more open about, you know, what I don't know and other, other people's ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, interesting. Could I ask, like, um, I've played Berserk myself and also quite a bit of Hearthstone, so I know what the trading card game plays like i was wondering did it feel natural to include the blockchain aspect into it yeah i mean technically it's easy but you're, you're also you're opening up a whole massive dynamic of, of balance you know whereas you know other games can alter that balance literally at the click of a button on a database We're with nfts you're really signing yourself up for sort of permanence I mean, okay, you, you can nerf a card and replace it on the blockchain. It's, it's a lot of effort. So you've got, to be a, you've got to be a lot more strategic in releasing cards and, and, and what strength they're going to be. Um, I think that's, that, that's the major problem with um, NFT card games is that, you know, that balance is, it, it, it's, it, it's, you know, you've got one shot at it. Um, so we, that's why we're releasing cards a lot, 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 um, a lot slower. 
But then again, Gods Unchained is highly successful, and um, that, that's an NFT card game. But um, but they've got away, but they have cut a few corners there by releasing you know the same card with different sort of graphics and names, but but multiple times. Um, for us, you know, we've only got I think 20 mechanics right now, but in theory, we could sort of turn that into 3,000 different cards with the same mechanics. So yeah, um, from a technical standpoint, not not not, not difficult. But in terms of a, a balance standpoint, and of course the route of entry, I mean, y- y- people are saying, "Well, I want to play in the top leagues, but I haven't got this NFT card, and it costs me five thousand dollars to buy." And you know, we can't control the open market, and you've just got to accept that. Yes, while it's free to play, and you can still earn, you're not going to be the best player unless you have this NFT card. I mean, there's no point having NFTs if you're not going to make them scarce and of higher power. You know, if people can get free cards of the same power then there's no point, you know, you're trying to sell an NFT card. So that's that's the trade-off, unfortunately, of having NFT NFTs in any game, is that there will always be, unfortunately, a, a, an off-balance between those that can sort of afford those better cards and not. I mean, in theory, you can play to earn your way up there and just keep earning and grinding and eventually get there, but you're not going to be able to stop someone, you know, splurging 10K on great cards and, and having a better chance. Thank you for uh, for your opinion. Um, if there are any other questions, feel free to raise, raise your hand. Otherwise, we we will uh, yeah close this and uh, let Jamie start playing <laughs> and testing uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that you have like ten minutes uh, able to uh, to play. But um, he's also in in our Discord and uh, Vulcan Fortune has its own Discord, so you are welcome to ask your questions in uh, either one Discord. We have a specific channel. Um, for Vulcan Forge questions or Vulcan Burst questions, any type of game associated with Vulcan Forge. And uh, this is recorded, so we'll be sharing this. If you want to hear this or if you want to share this with anyone that you're thinking of, you'll be able uh, to share this in the future. Um, so, yeah, we're asking to say that uh, a big, big, big thank you, Jamie, for kicking this off. This was a bit the very first Penny Expert talk, and I enjoyed it. I found it like super interesting. I hope that you uh, liked it as well and that you were able to, to share your vision um, the way you wanted. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. It was a real pleasure. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, everyone, for, uh, for being here. Talk to you on Discord and see you next week for the next Penny Expert talk. Bye-bye.